The 1830s were a time of great religious enthusiasm across the United States, and scores of ladies took up the call to travel from place to place, preaching faith, repentance, and the coming of judgment. Among these women was the New Hampshire-born Nancy Toll, who traveled across America and the British Isles, a fiery preacher with a will of iron, she let anyone within earshot hear her message of repentance. Though this message at times could sound a lot like harangues, brimstone, and torrents of abuse. On today's episode, we explore Nancy Toll's 1831 visit to the Latter-day Saints of Kirtland, Ohio. I'm Nate Olson, and this is Adventures in Mormon History. In 1818, Nancy Toll worked as a schoolteacher in Northampton, New Hampshire. She experienced a radical conversion when she heard the preacher, Clarissa Danforth, a female itinerant of the Free Will Baptists, and she felt called to preach as well. But for the next two years, she experienced intense emotional and spiritual conflict, believing that God had called her, but afraid of bringing disgrace on herself and her family. But she found the courage to join the small but determined band of American women who traveled from city to city, preaching faith and repentance. Now, she usually traveled with another female companion, which was safer than going alone. She would travel by railway, canal, carriage, or sled. With growing success, she traveled farther and farther from home, and in 1829, crossed the ocean to preach in the British Isles. Her travels took her to Ireland, a country that she did not find easy. Without exactly explaining why, she described the city of Dunlary as a hell on earth. After a short stay in the Emerald Isle, she sailed to England on a ship that she similarly described as a floating hell. On this voyage, she apparently had some significant problems with the crew, whom she described as a merciless, accursed crew from the regions of woe. But Toll was never one to hold back, and in all likelihood, told the members of the crew exactly what she thought of them. The crew apparently did not think much of Toll either, and in her account, she states that she only narrowly escaped being seized by the crew and thrown overboard. In Newport, England, she collected several hundred listeners in the middle of the town, many who were very curious to hear what a female from America would say to them. But before she could start, she was arrested by the Newport Constabulary for obstructing the roads and disturbing the peace. But far from being cowed, Nancy Toll thrilled at the prospect of being thrown into jail, a prisoner for Christ Jesus' sake. But to her disappointment, the justice of the peace set her at liberty. Toll was shocked by the crushing poverty of England's industrial slums, a reaction she shared with early Latter-day Saint missionaries like Brigham Young, Heber C. Kimball, and George D. Grant. But fired to take the gospel to the worst of the human condition, she plunged in. She visited the infamous Newgate Prison and tried to arrange a meeting with the wretched prisoners under sentence of death, but she wasn't successful. She watched in horror as three young men were brought before a crowd of several thousand and hanged for the comparatively minor crimes of housebreaking and forgery. She made the acquaintance of an officer of the Royal Navy and through his influence managed to board a female prison ship where she preached to 150 women under the harsh sentence of transportation to Tasmania. 
never one to hold back, Nancy Toll prophesied that the British aristocracy would, quote, weep and howl for the miseries that shall come upon them. Their gold and silver is cankered, and the rust shall be a witness against them and eat their flesh as it were fire. Upon returning to the United States, Toll continued her ministry, traveling down Lake Erie. But she made a stop in Ohio because, as she wrote, a very singular people, both of origin and practice, had attracted my attention. I had heard much of the people, and in many places, the excitement I found considerably in their favor, but many were halting between two opinions respecting them. The people in question were the Latter-day Saints, then gathered in Kirtland, Ohio. Toll came to see them up close. She spent a weekend with them, attending meetings, watching baptisms, and holding discussions with church leaders and lay members. Who summarized what she believed to be the primary teachings of the church, which gives us today some insight into the way early Latter-day Saints saw themselves and understood their place in the world at this period of time. The Book of Mormon, she wrote, enjoins baptism by immersion. Second, every such member should come out of the world, forsake father, mother, wife, and children, nor call aught of his possessions his own. They are to instead have all things in common and live together in love as a peculiar people. Third, that every member be found at the Lord's table every Sabbath day to commemorate his death and sufferings until he come. Finally, she wrote, the Latter-day Saints believe that a great day of wrath is coming and that Mount Zion and Jerusalem will be delivered in that day. The land of Zion, she wrote, was on the western boundary of the state of Missouri and that in time they would have a temple and a city there of great magnificence and wealth and be ready for the second coming of Christ and a thousand years of peace. She attended several meetings and a baptismal service. She wrote, I will do them the justice to say, I saw nothing indecorous, nor had I any apprehension of anything of the kind. But she was, to say the least, not impressed. She wrote, I am now prepared to say of Mormonism that it was one of the most deep concerted plots of hell to deceive the hearts of the simple that has ever come within the limits of my acquaintance. I viewed the whole with the utmost indignation and disgust. What especially dismayed her was that among the Latter-day Saints, she found people well-known in the region for their piety and scriptural knowledge. She wrote that among the Latter-day Saints, I found ministers of different persuasions, and some, it appeared, had once been eminent for piety. I found also many men of both influence and wealth. I really view it strange that so many men of skill should thus be duped of them. And in what turned out to be a fiery and memorable exchange, she then confronted some of the leaders of the early church, William W. Phelps, Martin Harris, Sidney Rigdon, and Joseph Smith. William W. Phelps told her that she was in the gall of bitterness and in the strong bonds of iniquity, and I have authority to say to you, you shall not be saved unless you believe. Toll was unmoved by this and immediately shot back, Permit me in return to prophesy respecting yourself. You will go away into your Zion, and you will find your faith to fail you. Then you will reel and stagger as a drunken man, your substance wasted, and your system of doctrines come to the ground. 
Toll then wheeled on Martin Harris, one of the three witnesses to the Book of Mormon. In what today would be considered uh, something of an unfair attack, she took aim at his personal appearance. You, sir, look like an artful, designing man, and I think you mischievous enough to be the inventor of the whole plot. But Martin Harris stood by his testimony and boldly replied that he would be willing to, quote, bear all the sins of the human family beyond the grave if his testimony were untrue. Sidney Rigdon then went on the attack and shouted at Toll, You never were called to preach the gospel, and all that you have ever done in the world was mischief. Toll then turned on Joseph Smith. She angrily demanded that he swear an oath that he had seen an angel and translated the Book of Mormon from golden plates. Joseph, rather than exploding like Sidney Rigdon or threatening destruction at the last day like William Phelps, instead gave the very biblical reply that he did not swear at all. Nancy Toll then stated, Are you not ashamed of these pretensions, you, who are no more than an ignorant plowboy of our land? Joseph only replied by saying, The gift has returned again, as in former times, to illiterate fishermen. He turned and began to leave, but, as Tal wrote, he recollected himself, wherefore, and returned to pass the compliment, goodbye. Somehow, Joseph seemed to win a degree of grudging admiration from the fiery, itinerant preacher. Maybe it was the way he responded to her angry challenges with biblical passages, or his cheerful, unassuming disposition, or maybe his halting efforts to show the respect due to a lady. But whatever it was, years later, Nancy Toll would remember Joseph Smith as a good-natured, low-bred sort of chap that seemed to have force enough to do no one any harm. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Adventures in Mormon History. I'm your host, Nate Olson.